By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim? Hi, this is Tom with Tom Meets Interesting People, the podcast that talks to everybody from nuclear engineers to musicians to voice actors to talk about their work and their processes. The podcast is currently in the top 100 on the Good Pods Indie Documentary Chart, but if you could be ever so kind as to pop over and help me climb even higher, that would be spectacular of you. But before you do that, currently you're listening to 20 Tim Minutes. Hey, yo, what's going on? You're tuning into another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health through humor, insight, and personal stories. Thank you for Tom with the Tom Meets Interesting People podcast for doing that introduction. Great accent. Killed it. Absolutely love it. I'll be going on that podcast in the not-so-distant future, so once that's out, I will share it with the world. Hopefully, I'm interesting enough to... Give him a good episode, which I should. I usually, I bring it with all my interviews. You should check out any 20, 10 minute interview I've been on because I've always had a lot of fun. There hasn't been one I haven't liked and I'm not just saying that. I choose wisely, you know? I choose my people wisely on both ends. So be on the lookout for that. Go to 2010minutes.com for all your 20, 10 minute needs. You can download my app in the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. You can download uh, nothing else. I don't know why I'm saying that, but you can purchase my merch right on the website. So hopefully you come check me out. Check me out in a good way, you know? This week, Heather Hutchinson is on. Uh, She happens to be a blind woman who is a disability and mental health advocate. We have a really good interview about uh, about that. And she got, I got to ask questions uh, that you don't really get to ask with blind people. Um, they're, they're appropriate. They're appropriate. They're not dumbass questions, which she gets all the time, which is super interesting. Being blind and someone coming up to you and pretty practically scaring the shit out of you, being like, hey, can I ask you some questions about being blind? Spoiler alert, don't do that. Uh, that's not something you should do. But that's a really good interview that's coming out this Thursday. You're going to have a lot of fun with that one. And uh, yeah, Heather Hutchinson, great person. She also is a singer and songwriter and author. So pretty cool. Good guest, Heather Hutchinson. Therapy's coming up this week. I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but he's probably going to pull some things out of me. I'm working on some things, um, working to be a better person and all that jazz. So I got nothing really on the therapy side for right now, but I am uh, going to go into it. I did have just my birthday on the 16th, hence this episode's a little bit late. I love how every week I have an excuse why an episode is late, but this one is legit. It was my birthday, January 16th. I turned 37. That's uh, it's a weird... 37 is an ugly number. I'm not just saying that because I'm 37. It's like Patrice Bergeron rocks that jersey and it looks good on him, but just the number in general, not that good looking. I was more of like a 31 or maybe even a 35, but 37, like, ugh. 38 looks pretty cool, but 37, just awful, awful number. I went to this bar in Plymouth, Massachusetts where they had Yahtzee. And what you did is you give them $2 and it goes to the pot. And at the pot, it was like $2,000. And what you had to do, you had to roll a Yahtzee, but not like the regular Yahtzee where you just roll three times and you get to play with the game. You had to do Yahtzee on just one roll. And I had three rolls. And I know where I'm going with this. You know where I'm going with this. First roll, didn't get it. Second roll, kind of got it. Third roll, all fours, nailed it. I won like two grand. But then again, like you got to give some money back. 
and then tip the bartender and then buy everyone a drink. And then you're pretty much on the hook for the rest of the night, even though it was my birthday, but I didn't care because it was money that I did not have. And then I had it from rolling Yahtzee at a bar. Like talk about a birthday miracle. The Yahtzee. I got a Yahtzee. I love playing Yahtzee. Yahtzee is a great game to play. I am, uh, I'm pretty good. I know, I know the strategy behind it. Everyone just thinks it's rolling and it's a luck on rolls, uh, a little bit, but not really. If you want to come roll some stones with me, I got you. I got you. I wanted to talk about this last week and I, I like how I have too much information for my episodes because I, I get something else to talk about next week, but dogs, man's best friend, they can sense when you're stressed or depressed. Which I feel like if you if you have a dog, you know that already. If like you're sad, your dog always curls up with you. Like I drop a pretty bad fuck bomb sometimes when I'm not in the not in a good place, and my dog Charles always comes over and like consoles me a little bit. My blind dog Fanny, not really not really into that. She just kind of does her own thing, but she'll curl up with you uh, on the couch and give you some good snugs. So I got two solid dogs that uh, that do that. But acute stress changes the compounds found in human sweat and breath, which researchers has shown. So it comes out of your breath and your sweat, which obviously dogs are going to sense that. Uh, for the new experiment, four dogs were presented with sweat and breath samples collected from human volunteers before and after the people engaged in a difficult math exercise. So, all right. So, okay, that's a weird test. It's like, all right, here's a math problem. And then after the math problem, we're going to have some dogs sniff you and see if you're stressed. Okay, okay, that's a, that's a weird test, but I like it. The canine participants were able to detect with the greater than 90% accuracy which samples came from before and which came after the 36 human volunteers had spent three minutes trying to count backwards aloud from 9,000 in units of 17, according to, the thir- according to them. That's crazy. So from 9,000 in units of 17, that would actually give me some stress too. But what a weird thing to do. Like, all right, we're going to do some math problems and you guys are going to be stressed as shit. Where do you volunteer for this stuff? I know Craigslist would always have like donate plasma. I don't want to do that. But like, where are these studies where I can go and like take ketamine and play with dogs and they smell my breath and sweat because I can't solve a math equation? Man, if there was dogs in high school, they'd be all over me. I barely got through school. I always say C's and D's get degrees, baby. Good thing they don't put GPAs on um, on diplomas. I almost forgot the word diploma. That just goes to show you uh, how well I did in school. I do good in school. Um, now, but people usually shit on cats, but look at this guy. A therapy cat named Oscar, okay? He doesn't really do that. Uh, he has thought by some to have sensed death was coming based on the change and how people smelled when they were close to death. Dude, not, not even the Grim Reaper, but Oscar the cat. If he shows up, you better go the other way. You better take your vitamins because he is the death cat. I can see why people don't like cats now because they are the bearer of bad news. And I'm not kidding you. Classic. And then also, here's a fun one. A study in horses showed based on body odor, the animals could tell the difference between people who watched horror movies and those who watched comedies. Like, that's a crock of shit right? Like, oh yeah, the horse is like, you just watched Evil Dead 2. How was it? And then they're like, oh, you watched the internship with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. We we can tell. I know those are two randomly different movies on different ends of the spectrum, but that's how I work. I've seen both of those movies and I love both of them. The internship is just a great, like, 
you just throw it on and then and there's like background noise. It's awesome. Evil Dead 2 is just my favorite horror movie of all time. Go check them out. Go check both of those out and get back to you. Speaking of comedies, I love when I have a good segue. I love it. Segways are where I'm at. Laughing is the best medicine. It's pretty much proven. Again, I'm not a professional, but this is what I find out and I agree with it. When I agree with something, I'm all in. I'll entertain horses knowing if you watched fucking Cabin in the Woods, but yeah, what is, how do they sense that? Because Cabin in the Woods is kind of funny. So it's a horror comedy. Like, uh, what's the other one? Jake and Tucker. Oh, I'm not going to say it. I don't even know the movie. Don't know it. I've seen it. I can explain it. You guys are going to get real bored real quick. Incorporating bouts of simulated laughter into an exercise program helped improve older adults' mental health as well as their aerobic endurance. So laughing gives you an energy boost, increased resilience, stress relief, increased endorphins, and serotonin production. Thoughts on being happy but depressed, making jokes. Um, I wrote that as a note for me to sit, talk about, but I just read it out loud like a fucking idiot. So it's funny because a lot of depressed people are funny. I feel like they have a great sense of humor and they use laughter as a medicine to keep themselves going. And maybe they do because it's like a... It's like if you can't get a prescription, maybe that's all you bank on is is mental health um, medicine. I don't even know how to talk today. I'm, this is the effects of a birthday weekend. 37, not a good number, not a good episode. There's this YouTube video, Comedians Tackling Depression and Anxiety Makes Us Feel Seen. It's with like Sarah Silverman, Wayne Brady, Chris Gethard, uh, Gethard. And they talk about that whole thing and they bring up like Robin Williams and like Mitch Hedberg who died of an overdose and uh, all these other comedians. So it's a really good YouTube video. I'll put the show notes. I'll put that in the show notes for you guys to check out if you have any interest, but it's a really good like half hour watch. But yeah, it's uh, someone that dealt with depression, deals with depression. I try to be deflective as much as I can with my humor. I always use humor and I'll use it. I call this like passive unaggressiveness where someone's like all right have a good night i'm like yeah you too hopefully i flip my car on the way home and they're like haha that's funny and i'm like yeah if that was uh, a joke but uh, hopefully that's gonna happen to me i would do stuff like that all the time i'm not like that anymore but you get the gist of it where i say serious things in joking tones and really confuse people that's my forte it's 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 a skill it's my skill it's my superpower but yeah it's um and i joke a lot another segue this is fucking great I didn't really make jokes about it, but like I was kind of talking about the ketamine lightheartedness. And I don't think I mentioned this, but I know people have problems with drug addiction and stuff. And I know people can abuse ketamine. So again, I'm not making fun of it in a way where like, oh yeah, ketamine's a blast. It's like, no, people have serious issues. And sometimes I do make a little bit light of certain situations, but it, I don't want to neglect the fact that there is a uh, an epidemic in drug addiction. So if you're deciding to do something like that, like ketamine or or um, was it the dosage of mushrooms? Be sure to consult somebody professionally. Don't just jump into it by yourself. And uh, that, I, don't need, I don't need to be a professional to let you know that. That's just, that's just 101. Listen to the professional. My professional advice is listen to the professionals. Don't listen to the amateurs like me. You can listen to me on my podcast and take what you want from it, but don't use it professionally. And that, that's all I got to say about that. Now... Seasonal affective disorder is SAD, S-A-D. I'm a big acronym guy. You guys know this. I wanted to talk about social anxiety disorder, and they're labeling it as SAD as well. They got to, come on. I know it's the same word with the letter, the first letter of the word, but need something else. 
Um, and then there's general anxiety disorder, which is GAD. So I wanted to see if people knew what the difference was because uh, I feel like people know or know how it feels to have social anxiety. Uh, it's a newer term that includes nervousness in any social setting, including smaller one-on-one social engagements, where general anxiety disorder causes feelings of anxiety and excessive worry over everyday events or the future in and out of social settings. SAD impacts about 7% of the U.S. population. And it is tough because I know people that have social anxiety, and I feel like I've had it a little bit. I'm a very extroverted person, but there's sometimes I'm like, if I'm at like a new party, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet these new people. I would say that's more general anxiety than social anxiety, even though I'm in a social situation. Do you get what I mean? It's like I'm pretty good socially, but if I'm in a place that I don't know, like I'm already nervous about the party beforehand. Like that's me predicting the future and and worrying about that. Um, but yeah, although it's common for many people to experience nervousness or feel the butterflies, um, people with SAD are extremely self-conscious and worry about what people think to the point where they often experience physical symptoms feeling ill. These may include a rapid heartbeat, uh, sweating, blushing, nausea, shaking, and lightheadedness. That's got to be overwhelming for people. And I do feel bad for people in social um, situations like that. But there's some coping skills with it that you can try to work on and, and use in your everyday life to hopefully get by that. And again, talk to your medical professional if you're looking to help your social skills, because uh, it's not easy. Be assertive, uh, be confident, Try to try to make sure that you look like you you know what you're doing. That's pretty much what life is. Just just pretend you know what you're doing. Um, worry worry about think about your nonverbal communication, which is like the way you present yourself. Maybe the way you're standing, you have your arms crossed, or you have your hands in your pocket, or you're not really paying attention to people. I think if you engage with more people and have your body language be more open, maybe that's something that can help you out with talking to somebody. And then there's um, verbal communication, which that's the toughest part is you want to talk. So one of the tips I read is be around people that are talking about a topic. Let's say they're talking about pickleball because like, that's the new thing that everyone's playing. Shout out to my friend, Benny. Benny was pickleballing like years ago before it was popular. Now it's like so popular. It's insane. But say you're talking about that and you pop your head in and you'd be like, Oh, I heard about fucking Tanner O'Hallahan. Who's the best pickleball player in all of uh, Mississippi. And that's what you do. You just jump into conversations, but you stay on the topic. So you want to be involved. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, telling people, close friends, family, and maybe even strangers, how you deal with social anxiety. And maybe people will give you a, a, a pass. But like, hey, sorry if I'm being weird. I'm just socially anxious. And everyone would be like, oh, okay, that's cool. So am I. Uh, let's be friends. So sometimes being upfront and open and honest is actually the best thing you can do. Um so fear and negative thoughts are two of the most common emotions when you have social anxiety. Um, deep breathing can help you a lot. If you're going into some place, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to showcase how to breathe properly because I barely, I, I'll be driving for miles and then I'm like, <sighs> I forget to breathe. I can't believe it. So deep breathing, like calming yourself down before, um, reduce negative thinking, like mind reading on people where you're like, oh, they, they think I'm stupid. They they are looking at me in a certain way because the way I'm standing, you can't really think of that negatively and you can't uh, assume how people are thinking. Maybe they, they want to approach you, but again, your nonverbal communication isn't, isn't inviting. Um, and then sometimes just face your fears, baby, just jump right into it. 
That's what I, I would do sometimes. I like I went like the party I was socially anxious about or general anxiety of it all was I just went in and I was like, fuck it. I'm introducing myself to everybody that walks by. And I'll tell you what, their nonverbal communication was on par with not wanting to talk to me. This there was a weird group. It was a weird group. Good party, weird group. Um again, I'm just trying to be nice to everybody. I'll just like I like to harness my anxiety sometimes. That's how I deal with it. Um I don't really, it's not like I, I deal with it, but it's not like a crippling anxiety where I can't do certain things. I just, I get super anxious about the future. I, I get super anxious being out in the world by myself. And um, yeah, so like, again, I'll have like those uh, thoughts in my head, intrusive thoughts of like CVS where I'm like, when's if I just tickle this guy in front of me? You know what I mean? Like I'll go into a Target and I feel like the way I'm walking or the way uh, I'm dressed is like people are just like, yeah, look at this fucking idiot. I think about that a lot, that everyone just sees me like, look at this fucking idiot. Um, yeah. So mistakes to avoid when it comes to social anxiety, never try to control your anxiety. See, I'm not a professional. That's what I do. I try to control it. The more you see it as something awful that needs to be eliminated, the more focus you'll be on it and the harder it will be to be reduced. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Tim, stop doing that. Um, Never accept social anxiety as a personal trait. While you might be an introvert and have a tendency to be shy, sad is a mental health issue that doesn't define who you are. It's impossible to overcome your anxiety and live a fulfilling life. So there is the other side of it that can help you out. Um, while there is evidence that CBD, a component of marijuana, may be helpful for social anxiety, there are also risks associated with its use. Interesting. Be sure to carefully balance any risk and benefits while considering using this as a coping strategy. So I don't know, where, where did that come from? They're just like out of left field. Like, yeah, CBD might fuck you up socially too. Um, and I think what you can do to help somebody with social anxiety, again, this is just my personal idea, was stand out as an extrovert so the other person doesn't have the the, the light on them. They're not like um, in the pub. Like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like they're not the uh, center of attention. Sometimes if you're the center of attention, you take away that. And you can also be that friend or a person that helps them get introduced to somebody so there are benefits that can help somebody with social anxiety disorder if you are a teammate to that person so i think a, a big thing is making them comfortable making sure that they, they don't have the spotlight on them too much and helping them introduce other people i think that's the way to do it um so yeah social anxiety kind of a, a pain in the balls it seems like so here's a tip Try learning something new. Um, try a new hobby that challenge you, whether it's like writing a blog, taking up a new sport, or learning how to cook. That's very helpful for your mental health. Like the podcast, like it was something new for me. I had to get out of my comfort zone. I'm still, I'm, I'm getting used to it now. So sometimes I don't want to record, but I, I have to because uh, I promised myself. But learning a new skill can help your mental health, boosting self-confidence and raising self-esteem. Um, it helps you build a sense of purpose. So like, again, like going to like a cooking class, you're learning something new, which I should because I do not know how to cook properly. It is uh, shameful. And uh, I eat like I'm a video game character and pick up apples off the ground when I find them. And then I get beat up. That's pretty much my life. Uh, Final Fan. Uh, hmm. Streets of Rage 2. Electric Boogaloo. But yeah, try thinking about taking something up. I, I was thinking about... Uh, trying to learn a little bit of Japanese because I want to go to Japan. So I, I would be kind of cool to learn some basic like knowledge when I go to Japan being like, Oh, hello. My name's Tim. Uh, I'm fucking lost. 
that's the one thing I want to learn how to say. And then they can point me in the right direction. I'll be like, okay, where's the Tokyo Dome or where's the next sumo match? Things I want to go see. I already have like a list of things on Instagram that I have videos of like of secret bars of places to eat. Like I'm ready to go. I'm just not ready for that flight, but I'm ready to go. For next week, I'm going to talk about adults with higher levels of attention deficit disorder are more likely to experience anxiety and depression than adults with high level of autistic traits, according to new research led by psychiatrists, uh, university in both the uh, University of Bath and the UK. So I'll be going over that because uh, it's interesting. Someone with ADHD, I, I saw that title and I'm like, yep, definitely going to talk about that for uh, next week. But I thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of 2010 Minutes. Thank you to Tom with the uh, Meets Interesting People podcast. Uh, again, I got Heather Hutchinson this week. Wish me a, a happy belated birthday or don't because um, I, I happy birthday. Worst song ever, right? We went out to you with my family and my mom wanted to sing it. And me, my brother and sister were like, nah, don't do that. Don't do that in this place. No one likes singing it. No one likes sitting through it. You sit there and you're like, uh, you don't know what to do with your hands. You're just awkward. Everyone else is off key, off tune. And then like after they're like, how old? And you're like, no, stop it. We need a new song. Or you need to make up your own song through your friends or your family. You know what I mean? Get rid of that song. Thank you again, guys. I love you so much. That's been another episode of 2010 Minutes. Let's break the stigma by cracking a smile. I will see you soon and have a good one. And we're clear. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.